hey everybody, welcome to the Health Perspectives Podcast brought to you by Northeast Georgia Health System in beautiful Gainesville, Georgia. I'm your host, Marie Kruger, and today we're trying something a little bit different. We have some wonderful guests here today with us, and we're going to talk about humans in healthcare and uh, really try to get to understand the frontline workers and what makes them tick. So let's get started. Uh, today we have Dr. Mohawk Devay, welcome. Thank you. And you are the Medical Director of Emergency Medicine at Northeast Georgia Health System, That's among other things, of course, we'll talk about that. Welcome. And Leah, how are you? Good, Thank And you. you are the Clinical Simulation Educator. Okay. Let me get this straight the Center for Simulation and Innovation. That's correct. All right, awesome, welcome. Let's start with uh, telling us a little bit about yourself. Do you guys have families? Do you live around here? What's going on? Where are you from? You start. I'll All start. Right. <laughs> well, I, uh, I live here in Gainesville. Okay. Uh, I live on Lake Lanier. Um, my wife uh, works at the Good News Clinic, uh, which is a free medical clinic in town. Oh, yeah. Uh, is she a physician as well? She's not a physician. Um, she does office uh, work there on the support staff uh, and uh, project coordinator. Great. Uh, and then I have a 19-year-old daughter who's at Auburn. Uh, War Eagle. And, and War Eagle, that's right. <laughs> and a 17-year-old son who's graduated from high school. Oh, that's wonderful. Leah, tell me about yourself. Yeah, so I grew up in Georgia. I went to nursing school in Dahlonega at um, University of North Georgia. And then I started my clinicals at um, Northeast Georgia and on, on a med surge unit and immediately went down to the emergency department. So I've lived in Gainesville for about four years. I moved to Swanee recently, but Gainesville is kind of home for me. Oh, that's great. So um, I'll be very honest with you guys. Emergency medicine terrifies me. <laughs> it is just one of these specialties that I would not thrive in. What excites you about that specialty and what keeps you motivated as you have gone through, we're, we're going to talk a lot about, you know, the pandemic, we had a, a chicken plant explosion not long ago. What do you love about emergency medicine? Let's start there. Please. I would say that it's always changing. Um, it's fun going into work and not knowing what's coming in. Um, used to, in emergency medicine, have to know just a little bit about all the specialties, but now in emergency medicine you have to know everything about everything. So it's very challenging, it's very exciting, um, and you're always learning. All right, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, it's, it's a challenge I think is, is a big one, but you know, what, what we enjoy is that we're really helping people, oftentimes in one of the hardest moments of their lives, um, and so you're there every day. Um, being available for people when they have emergencies. Um, and so that's really, really uh, important. And the unpredictability actually is, is also an appeal. Um, you know, we don't have a patient list that we know what's coming in the next hour, next minute even. Um, and so just being prepared, uh, we realize how important that is. So it's not just a matter of just the adrenaline, but you also have to be, you know, objective and prospective and be ready for what the next challenge may be. Right, master problem solvers, honestly, yeah. yeah. So Leah, you went from working by the bedside mm -hmm. and you've transitioned pretty significantly. Now you're in yes. simulation. Yes. Tell me a little bit about that journey. Yeah, so um, when I came down to the emergency department, I started on night shift like most new nurses do. Um, did that for a couple years and then an opportunity became available to become the clinical educator. So I did that for a little bit of time, then assistant manager, and then I became the nurse manager. So with the help of many mentors and many of my physician colleagues, um, I, was, I was able to move up quickly in my career. I got my master's in health administration um, while working full time and then the pandemic hit. So um, through all of that, I took a little break, did a little travel nursing. Um, it was local travel, but had a good uh, time and you know got to see a different health system, got to learn a lot about what they do differently, what they do well, what they don't do well. And coming back home, like I say, when I came yeah. back to Northeast Georgia um, in my new role, I'm kind of able to take what I've learned through all of my different roles in emergency medicine and um, teach others. 
So it sounds like you can do a lot with nursing. And have you had many mentors in your career? I have, I have. I was thinking about it um, on the way here. So I remember when I got the first call that I was going to get a job in nursing, and it was from a recruiter in HR, Melissa Thompson, who I have known for 12 years now, and I still frequently talk to, and just the impact that just a, a recruiter had on me. And then um, getting the chance to work as the educator in emergency medicine, you know, Kay Hall is has been such a mentor through that. And then my physician partners, I've worked with Dr. DeVay for, I was counting up 11 years now, oh, wow. um, knowing him and how much, you know, working with him has made me who I am today as a clinician as well as a leader. Okay, that's, that's pretty incredible. So 11 years you've worked together. Mm -hmm. So let's talk a little bit about the pandemic because it's been such a, we'll never forget it. Yeah. And there's collateral damage now afterwards. Um, and maybe that's still going on. Maybe afterwards isn't the right word. But um, Dr. DeVay, how, how has that experience changed you? And, and how are you doing today? Uh, it's, it's been a, a challenge. I mean, it's in healthcare, and it, it just any human being that has lived through this has obviously been, this has been a challenge. Um, I think that from an emergency standpoint, you know, it's solidified our commitment as to what we're here for. Um, but it's also made it harder because um, you know, we are now seeing sicker patients than we've ever had. Uh, we have seen access issues that we've never had before. I mean, it's harder to get in to see a doctor, um, your primary care physician, or any, any specialty because there's labor shortages, whether it's nursing or others. Um, you know, there's a lot of mental illness, um, the collateral um, from, from the pandemic. Um, but, you know, when I, when I take a step back and reflect where we were even three years ago, you know, after we had already, three years ago right now, it was, you know, just about to become March, we were hearing about what was happening in other countries and hearing about cases that were just starting in New York and, um, you know, places that we thought we probably may not come here. You know, we're hopeful right. and little did we know. Um, you know, I think that we have realized that this is not something that's going to ever go away, and it's something that we have to deal with just like any other uh, condition that we've had to deal with in the past. So right. when we take a step back, I think it's, it's, we have to reflect is that, you know, patients are still going to get sick, whether they have COVID or not, and we have to always be there for them mm -hmm. and recognize that, you know, I think that there's so much more to focus on than just whether or not somebody has a positive COVID test. Um, and we, we didn't do a great job with that across the world, candidly, um, early on. And I think fortunately we've seen quickly that how important that is, is that we have to go back to the center of the patient, right? Regardless of whatever condition they have. Right. And that's probably the motivation mm -hmm. because I think from the outside looking in, folks might say, you came back to work <laughs> after, seriously, after, after seeing patients dying one after the other. I mean, that weighs on you mentally, physically. Your family's probably had a lot of concerns when you were going into work every day. You mentioned something about uh, the shortages with physicians and also nurses. So let's talk a little bit about that. Um, there's a lot of factors that go into folks leaving this, this profession. Um, you kind of left a little bit and, and you're taking a little bit of a turn. Maybe you can tell us a little bit about yeah. how that worked for you. Yeah, so I think uh, with nursing, you don't just have to be a bedside nurse. You can do a lot of different things as my career has shown you. But um, I think the nursing shortage is twofold. I think it's the you know generation that is retiring, that maybe is retiring earlier because of the pandemic. 
um, that said, okay, I'm done, I can't do this anymore, and so they're, they're kind of taking their step away. So I think that with that and the ability to do so many different things in nursing that people are just taking a step away from the bedside, it's hard to be a bedside nurse right now. It's, um, it's difficult, the patients, like he said, are sick. They're sicker than ever because they haven't had access to care. Um, you know, they, they, when we said, please stay home, they did. You know, they didn't, they didn't go to the doctor. So it's hard to be a nurse now. Um, you always have to be on your toes. You have to think critically all the time, and it's, it's a challenge. Right, right, and certainly for our new doctors that are coming up. Um, when we train our new nurses and our new doctors, what are some of the pieces of advice that you would give them as they navigate this journey? Well, uh, speaking for emergency medicine, I'll go back to what I said earlier, is that, you know, we, as physicians, we get trained so much on, you know, metabolic cycles and pharmacology and histology and, and anatomy, right? But we don't get enough training on how to hold someone's hand, how to talk to a, a patient or a family member when they're dealing with the loss of a loved one. Um, and so we remind our physicians that you are treating patients at their often most vulnerable or our hardest time. And it may just be another day or another shift for us, but right. for, for the patient, it's terrifying. Right. And you know, even though it's this condition that we may often see, we see on a regular basis, it's terrifying for them. And sure. so, and so we, you know, we all, I think that the key is putting yourself in that patient's perspective and why are they, what are they worried about? Why are they upset? What can we do to help them? That empathy really helps to connect us to why you come to work every day and put that badge on. You know, and I think as long as we stay focused on that, as what, what's your purpose, mm -hmm. um, it, it, it really helps. And that's, I've learned that, you know, my mentors have been our, the nurses I work with because they have, they have taught me that, you know. And, right. um, you know, I wish I could say that every, every physician when they come out of medical school gets that training, but unfortunately we, it's not the case. I don't know what it is nowadays. Right. Um, it's been a minute, but, uh, but uh, uh, you know, I've learned so much from the nurses that I work with about taking a step back and reminding why we're here to do what we do. Right. Well, let's take a journey back in time a little bit. I want to talk about a, uh, something that happened here in Gainesville. There was an explosion mm -hmm. in a chicken plant, um, devastating on so many levels. Yeah. You both worked that case or that scenario. What was that like for you guys uh, dealing with that, especially right in our backyard? Yeah, I remember getting the first phone call um, from our emergency man management preparedness director at the time called because I was the manager of the emergency department and he said that there was an explosion at a chicken plant and I won't lie, I thought it was a drill. You know, because we, we've drilled it, we've practiced it, so I honestly at first thought it was a drill and I heard it was a plastics plant. So I'm thinking, okay, you know, shrapnel injuries, you know, penetrating injuries, thinking about all of those things. And then to find out it was a nitrogen leak, I had to Google, what does that mean? What does that mean for the staff? What does it mean for the patient? So, you know, these are things that you kind of maybe get a chapter of training in nursing school about, but really until you live it, you don't really know what you're, you're preparing for. So I think that um, luckily we were in the middle of the pandemic. So we had our PPE available. We had our gowns and our gloves and all the, you know, protective equipment for our staff available, which was, you know, I don't know if that would have been available if we hadn't been in a pand pandemic. But um, that was a scary day, you know, because we, we didn't know what to expect. We didn't know how many patients. You never know what's going to be coming through. Right. But when you get that initial call of a chicken plant, you know it's the middle of the day. There's hundreds of people working there. Um, most of them were um, Hispanic, so we don't have, you know, the translators available. We learned so much from that event, but I think what we did as a healthcare system was come together. You know, I remember reaching out to physicians and everyone that lived, you know, in Gainesville showed up that day and, and did whatever they could to help. Right. 
Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I think a common theme in our community is that they are always here to help. Mm -hmm. We've got so much support in our community as well. Um, do you still feel like a healthcare hero? Okay. That's um, a tough one. I've, I've never felt that term really uh, should be applied. Um, you know, we're doing a job. Um, okay, we, yeah. we're, we've been doing this, you know, with, I mean, our nurses, I mean, the nurses I work with, some of them have been doing it for 40 plus years. Right. Um, you know, the, they were, they're heroes to me then, they were heroes now. Um, it didn't change just because it came to work in March of 2020. Um, but I do think that there's a recognition of the, of the casualties that physicians and nurses and any healthcare worker is enduring. I don't like the term hero because to me, I mean, there's people that serve our country and do so many other things that are true heroes in my mind. Mm -hmm. And I don't, I don't think it's fair to put us on that stage. But I also think it's important to highlight the, the, the impact that daily healthcare, um, how, how it affects individual um, healthcare workers. Mm. You know, the, the mental impact, the post-traumatic stress and those types of things, which I think have come to light because of the pandemic, but these were there long before that, right? And, and so they became worse, of course. But so, you know, is it a hero or not? You know, I, I, we're committed to taking care of patients, right? right. I mean, that's our job. Um, you know, that title it certainly is, is uplifting at times, but uh, I don't think anyone feels that they did anything more or less pre-pandemic or not, or even what they're doing now, it's still what they wanted to do, which is take care of patients. Understood. Yeah. How about you, Leah? Yeah, I, I agree. I think that it was nice to be recognized throughout the pandemic for the work that we do. You know, it was nice to have that national recognition of look at these nurses on the front line, look at these doctors on the front line, the lab techs, respiratory, everyone that was really struggling through that. It was nice to have that recognition finally, because like you said, we've been doing it before and we're doing it now. Sure. Um, this wasn't the first time we were seeing death on a daily basis. We were seeing death on a daily basis every day. So nothing really changed to us, you know, the patients were sicker and more complex and we learned a lot about COVID, which, you know, who knew what that was in March of um, 2020, but um, it was nice to have that national recognition. I think the community did a really nice job of um, supporting the nursing staff, supporting the physicians and the hospital itself. Right. So I do thank them for that, but we're still in it. We're mm -hmm. still you know, in our own crisis. Yes. Yeah, no, that's a great point. Um, there's a lot of challenges going on in healthcare, certainly, but there's also some wins, right? You guys hopefully have had left work one day and said, gosh, I did it. That was, that was fantastic. I got someone home to their loved ones. Can you recall a specific uh, story that you want to share where things went really well, things worked good? You know, one of the things that I've, I've always enjoyed is uh, our, our, our recognition of, of, of survivors of heart attacks, trauma, and stroke. Mm. Um, you know, because those are truly, I mean, they are the manifestation that we can clearly see of a team coming together. Yeah. There's no individual person that can be recognized for the outcome of, of returning a patient back after they've had a heart attack or a stroke or a trauma or, or a lot of other things. But th those conditions in particular truly um, show the importance of a team. And without any, any one part of that could fail and the outcome could be very, very different. Mm -hmm. And so I think when we look at our, our heart attack survivors, mm -hmm. our stroke survivors, and they come to the emergency department or we have a recognition event for them uh, in an auditorium with their families and, and they get up and speak, um, you, know, you see these trauma survivors that are graduating from University of Georgia. Right. I mean, it, it, to this day, if that doesn't affect you, then you're, there's no reason you should be coming to work every day. Right. right? You know, it is, those are the kinds of stories that on a daily basis we do see. Um, you know, and we see a lot of 
things that are psychologically traumatic uh, for us, but seeing those is the reason that keeps us coming to work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I completely agree. Just yesterday, me and DeVay were at a driving um, summit to teach about safe driving for teenagers. And, you know, just looking around, we were talking, um, a lot of our colleagues that we used to work with all kind of came together to do this education. And it was, it was like we were working on a case that day. I mean, it was really something to look around and just kind of see where we've all come and where we are now and being able to, you know, do that teaching out to the, the community that we, that we live in and we love. That's awesome. Do you ever mm -hmm. miss being in the ED? <laughs> being in the thick of it? Loaded question. Yeah. Well, I miss her being in the I bet, Can yeah. I answer that? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> no, I miss, um, I do, I do, absolutely. Sure. Um, yesterday was kind of a little glimpse where I got to be a trauma nurse again. But, um, you know, I was in leadership for the, the last half of my career in emergency medicine, and I still try to take care of patients every day if I could. Um, I miss the patient interactions. I miss the teamwork, the environment, and the people more than anything. You know, I have some of the most, you know, incredible relationships because of the emergency department and the people that I met through nursing school and I've grown up with, you know, been to weddings and baby showers and, you know, now I'm going to their kids' um, soccer games and, right. you know, stuff like that. So it's really, um, it's, I do, I do miss it, but I'm really enjoying what I'm doing now. That's great. Yeah. That's great. So we're level one now. Yeah. How exciting is that? What does that mean for our community? Maybe you can talk through that a little bit. Sure. So, I mean, our community has really benefited from us having a trauma designation um, for, I think, 2013 or 2014 mm -hmm. yeah. uh, is when we first became as a, as a designated uh, level two trauma center, um, which, again, going back to organized systems of care has shown the community our, as well as our EMS or you know, any, anyone around that, that touches our healthcare system that we are committed to building this type of system of care. Mm -hmm. So going to level one really just fortifies that commitment is that okay we you know one of our core values is a passion for excellence so you know whether we were level two or level one it really doesn't or, or we had no designation right. we are still have to do things that can make our care better for our patients. So level one certainly means that we're you know have, are doing things that are more uh, involved and are highly scrutinized compared to a level two, but the, what the community should know is that, regardless of designation, it makes this community, you know, our commitment makes this community better mm -hmm. um, because we are prepared. Um, and but it also makes other parts of healthcare better um, because because we are level one trauma focused. That actually helps other services, uh, whether it's improving our uh, sepsis pathways or heart attack care or radiology or stroke. We all, it's, we all kind of just follow the same type of, of mindset. Right. Is that, okay, this is a patient with a time-sensitive condition, and how do we manage it and right. come together? Yeah. This is, this is kind of a, an interesting question that I want to know if you guys can answer. What do you wish patients knew about healthcare providers? doctors, nurses, what do you wish they knew that maybe we don't know? Kind of what you said when we started this, we're yeah. humans, yeah. you know, we, we feel the same way they do, we get sick like they do. Um, so, you know, coming into the emergency department specifically, so they come in with a terrible headache. Well, one of us might have woken up with a headache that day and we're not feeling as well. So I think what's, it's hard for them to look at us as if we're not human sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, we feel what they do, we go home with their pain. You know, it's not easy telling a family member that they've lost their loved one. You know, we go home and we have to digest that every single day. Mm -hmm. um, and it's difficult. So I think just the aspect of that, we're human, we make mistakes, you know, we, we are there for them. We, are, we chose this career for a reason. Um, I love that. And we're trying our best. Yeah, you can get me choked up. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, one of the hardest things, especially over the last several years, has been, you know, with masking. I mean, uh, when, when you ask, like, what do patients wish we knew? It's like, 
you know, we, we've kind of masked our own right. feelings and emotions. Yeah. You know, we don't, patients don't get to see our faces or smiles. We don't get to see theirs as much. Right. Um, unfortunately, we're getting, you know, we're moving away from that. Um, but, you know, that human touch became even harder, uh, you know, when you had to put on gloves and gowns and face shields. Um, and so I think that that, if I wish patients knew the impact that had on, uh, we know it had tremendous impact on them, but the impact that had on us too uh, was is you know something I hope I never have to deal with again um, because uh, you know that that really again going back to why do we get up and put on our our badges and go to work it's it's to take care of people and help them right and it's harder to do when you can't see their face right. or see their smile or their or their fear right you know um, and so I'm I'm glad that we're moving in the direction to get away from that but I think I wish that's something that is portrayed to. To patients, uh, they know about us. Is that, like Leah said, we are human. Uh, we have our, you know, our, our need to touch one another and mm-hmm. hug one another and 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 help uh, each other. And that's been harder. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you guys are a family. Oh, yeah. Essentially, absolutely. especially since going through the the traumatic events that we've all been going through. Mm-hmm. Um, lastly, before we close up, have you always been this resilient? Is it in, ingrained <laughs> in you? Because I feel like that's something that comes with age, certainly, and experience, but golly, you, y'all are resilient. you got some yeah. high intelligence of, of emotions, and it's not easy. Yeah, I mean, the resilience, again, comes from the focus on the why. On the why. On the why. Yeah. Um, it's harder. It's, it's sometimes, I mean, practicing in healthcare is, is, it can be very, very frustrating. Sure. Especially when you're dealing with nursing shortages or medication shortages or mm-hmm. supply shortages or there's not enough people to keep certain aspects of healthcare running that have nothing to do with, with nursing. I so mean, when patients are frustrated, you're, you're equally as frustrated. Absolutely. I mean, we're, I'm, we're all patients too, right? right. I mean, we, we, we touch, we, you know, we have touch points in the healthcare system. So, you know, I think that that's, the, the resilience is often tested. It's been tested a lot uh, recently. Um, it's even now when you see the COVID numbers and everything else falling, that doesn't mean that the resource problems and, and the issues that we're having have changed. If, in fact, they've probably gotten worse. Right. Um, and so I think that that's the story that is not being told, is that practicing now actually was a lot harder than it was even three years ago, because wow. three years ago we had a lot of fear because of the pandemic, but then we had scared patients from coming to get care. Right. So we didn't have a lot of care to give. And now we have tremendous, we're overwhelmed with the amount of care uh, that's needed. And we have people that have gone to other industries or retired from the profession. Um, and uh, and we still have supply constraints, uh, et cetera. So what's your resilience? I agree. I think that, um, it, like you said, it's harder now. You know, we don't have the highlight. You know, the patients are sicker, the resources are less, and it's kind of yeah. like, kind of spot on the rug almost. Yeah. In, yeah. in the nation, but um, I think that in the end, nursing's still fun. It's still a great career. I would never change my career um, ever. You know, I'm, I'm so glad I went into nursing, and I think everyone has a different story of why they went into medicine. Right. But um, looking back, I would never change my career, and I think that every day um, it's easy to put on the scrubs, it's easy to put on my badge, and, and say that I work at a hospital with amazing people every day. Sounds like you got her to come back to the ER. I know. I feel like that might happen. <laughs> you can moonlight, you know, work on the weekends. Yeah. No, thank you. And I think sharing your, your story is going to help bring light to, to some of the things that you've been dealing with ever since 2020 and prior to 2020. But I just really appreciate your time, you guys, and, and sharing your, your stories. So thank you, everybody, for watching. And if you haven't already, please rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast. And we'll see you next time. Take care.